All right, gang, so just a quick heads up. Uh, instead of doing what I've been promising for ages, which is to get around to that audiobook, instead I went ahead and compiled all 10 years of the Blue Skies writing that I did and put it together in a fucking book. It's going to go on Amazon here real damn quick listed as the Lunatic Fringe book. You'll be able to find it in pretty much any of the marketplaces that Amazon has. It is literally every single word I ever wrote from that magazine, and it's all put together in nice book form. You can buy it in ebook, you can buy it in paperback, and believe it or not, you can even buy it in fucking hardback. Uh, again, it's going to be available here really, really soon. This one not only includes all the articles that were in the first fucking pilot book, but about 60 more articles. It's got 350 or so pages of some pretty funny, inappropriate, and hopefully informative shit. So check it out. Blue skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, 
Once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void with a fresh in-person victim. Right to it, man. Who the fuck are you? What do you do? So, my name's Brad, and I make dreams come true. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to need to narrow that down. What kind of dreams are we talking about here? Uh, I like to strap strangers to the front of me and jump out of planes. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing that for a few years now. Those are pretty cool dreams. They are pretty cool dreams. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's definitely worse ones to make come true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, some of those also involve harnesses. Some... (laughs) Yep, we uh, we can maybe go into that one later. Yeah, yeah you never know. You never <clears throat> know. So you jump out of airplanes, you're working as an instructor. Yep. Uh, that's what you decided you wanted to be when you grew up? That was, um, yeah. No, that uh, it just, just kind of happened. I I fell into the job. Excuse the pun. <laughs> that's fucking bad. <laughs> that's bad. Although I've used that many times. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, was it one of those things that it was like a dream? You uh, Not even a little bit. No, no. Really? It, it was... Um, so I did my first jump uh, just over 11 years ago. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine, she's like, do you want to go and do a tandem? And I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> Why not? Get it get it ticked off the uh, the bucket list, as they say. Right. Uh, so we booked it, one-off kind of thing, went out to the East Coast of the UK, nice summery day, the one we get of the year. Yeah, and, what, uh, all three of them? Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yep. So, um, yeah, went over there. Booked in, did the training, got some myself strapped to a dude named Steve, and jumped out of a plane. And it was best fucking thing I've ever done in my life. And you weren't expecting it to be? Not even a little bit. I knew it was going to be good. I mean, it's skydiving, right? Right. But I landed, and I walked into reception, and I booked my AFF. Nice. It was, yeah, it was something special. And I had no idea about the sport. <laughs> it was... To me, it was the the one-off. It was a tandem. Right. So then when I went to learn, and I remember one thing that really captured me was the camera guys. Mm. I was into photography before skydiving, and I remember seeing the whole steel setup, video camera, big helmets, ring sight, this, that, the other. I'm like, that's fucking cool, that is. Yeah. I didn't know you could skydive with cameras. Like, this is is pretty cool. Um, But then even going through my AFF, I didn't know there was this whole sport. Right. It was, um, I remember finding out you can, you can go free flying, you can go do canopy relative work and you can do this and that. And I'm like, holy shit. Right. What, what have I signed up for? Right. Um, so breathe through my AFF and uh, this would have been, I think I finished it around August of 2011. Okay. 
Um, so we're kind of starting to get into autumn and winter in the UK and not, not the nice. most favorable weather. <laughs> um, and you know, dude, I was like 20 at the time. Okay. I had an all right job, but Skyrim right. expensive. Yeah. So I was kind of jumping as much as I could, but especially the unique way the BPA is run. Your AFF, really. <laughs> you need. <right? laughs> I, I I hear a little uh, little tinge in that unique. <laughs> Don't know what you mean. All right, fair uh, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. So uh, you, you you do your AFF, and you're like, awesome! I can skydive now. I can go and jump with my friends. Right. And they're like, no, 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 no. You you got to go and do some more coaching jumps. We got to jump with your friends. Uh, so you just spent a couple of thousand pounds on your AFF, and now you got to go and spend about fifteen hundred more to mm. learn to jump with your friends, which is a really cool way of doing things. Right. Um, so I accumulated about 29 jumps and got made redundant. So I had no job. So no income. I was about to turn 21. And I was like, fuck it. I'm going to leave the country. I'd wanted to travel my whole life. Yeah. Uh, so I booked a one-way ticket to Melbourne, flew to Australia, and kind of spent two years bumming around Australia. Nice. Which was pretty cool. Not a huge amount of skydiving, especially not at first. Sure. Uh, mostly just backpacking, traveling, doing that thing 21-year-olds do when they go to a different country. Fucking hell, I wish I'd have been smart enough to travel when I was 21. It was cool, man. It was... Actually, maybe I'm happy I didn't start traveling at <laughs> 21. <laughs> it was pretty wild. Yeah, it um, had to be, especially in Australia. Yeah, it was... It was so... I, I kind of grew up... My, my dad went traveling when he was younger in the 80s. So I'd grown up with his stories of traveling Australia. Mm. As a kid, I'm like, I want to do that. That's kind of a European thing, though, right? Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, because as an American, that's unheard of. Yeah. Holy shit, you're letting your kid leave the country at leave the 16, state. 18 years old? Exactly. Yeah. Maybe the county, but <laughs> exactly. not the country, you know? But all of my European friends have their their you know summer that they took abroad or, yeah. or whatever that they pissed yeah. off and, and went and enjoyed. Why the fuck do you, how come you guys are so lucky? Is it just because it's shit weather and <laughs> everybody's it's like. shit in the UK. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> At least you might have a good climate. Well, I mean, you got the US, it's big, there's loads to see. Well, I was from California, so yeah, I, I kind of was where everybody was going to yeah, go. Exactly. So, yeah, so, right, fair enough. Whereas I grew up in the Midlands where there's nothing. Fair enough. That's uh, like the uh, um, American werewolf in London territory, right? Yeah, the yeah. Moors and shit like that. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, so well, mm, maybe a little more, a little bit more south, but all right, fair enough. But, but still not nice. Just not interesting. Which, <laughs> to be fair, kind of now I've left the UK and you go back and you you do realize this. There's, there's places to go and things to see. Sure, so. sure. But um, yeah, twenty one opportunity to present itself. I just fucked right off. Nice. Now, was there, uh, was there a plan before uh, skydiving and before fucking off? Like, had you thought, I want to be this when I grow up? Or were you one of the, like me, like, I don't have a fucking clue what tomorrow holds, let alone what I want to be? They started off with a bit of a plan. Um, I think as I went through school, I was relatively intelligent. And um, I kind of looked, oh, what can I study at university? Because, you know, it's just drilled into you that you go to university, right? Mm. And it's the biggest lie that you've been told throughout most of your life. Sure. Um, <clears throat> and I looked at, I was actually going to study medicine at first, mm. realized I was too dumb for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> looked at a few other options, got going through school and sort of applying for university. And I was like, yeah, you know what? This, this isn't for me. I, I'm not doing the school thing. So right. candle that got a real job for a bit. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was nice. I had a good job to be fair. I was working in it. Oh, nice. Not interesting, but, uh, 19, 20 years old, 
It's a good job. Pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so then it gave me that money to to then travel. Nice. So it opened up that door for me, and it gave me the money to skydive. Nice. Now, did you have a plan when you got to Australia, I mean, or was it literally just, here I am, let's yeah. see what happens? It was a one-way ticket. and Oh, that's fucking great. And that was it, yeah. And that's People really downplay how much... That how hardcore that is. I mean, that takes fucking balls. Even if you're from a culture that uh, you know has their summers abroad and stuff, but a one way ticket and no real clue what's going on, that takes some stones. I've been told. Yeah, my, most of my life is kind of unplanned. I'll tell you what, though, it's kind of funny because uh, you sound a lot like me in a lot of respects, and one of them is that I leap before I look, and. It's everybody that knows me is like, oh, of course he just moved to another fucking country that he's never been to before. And it's never really crossed my mind all that much. In retrospect, you look back and go, yeah, that was kind of ballsy. But when it's going on, it just seems like the perfectly natural thing to do. exactly. What's the worst that can happen? (laughs) If you don't like it, you leave, right? At 20, maybe. Well, maybe. Maybe. You might get stuck there. But I mean, what is the worst that can happen? Well, in Australia, where everything's trying to kill you, <laughs> there's a lot of shit that can go wrong there. That's right? a fair I point. Mean, yeah, yeah. But uh, so you get there, and you 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 you're traveling all over Australia. Yeah, yeah. I first well, I first get there and realize everything's really fucking expensive in Australia, mm. and the very little money I took with me lasted absolutely fuck all, especially with my drinking habit at the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I left Melbourne, went up to Sydney. Kind of got stuck in Sydney, doing odd jobs, um, doing a lot of laboring, landscape gardening, just kind of anything you could find through the hostel. Sure. Um, but that didn't support the... Now, have you been to Australia? I have. Uh, do you know what Goon is? I don't. Goon is uh, boxed wine. Okay. Five liters, $12. <laughs> nice. So you can you can guess the quality. There you go. Yeah. Um, so it's a backpacker. Oh, tremendous. So we drink a lot of Goon. But the work I found couldn't quite fund my Goon habit. <laughs> and uh, um, ended up flying further up north to central Queensland to live with this dude that I met in Sydney who was a local. He was like, yeah, come crash with me. We can find you a job and we can just work out from there. I'm like, right. cool, thanks, man. So I stayed at his place for a bit and ended up working on a farm. Now, this is outback Australia, the proper right. shit you see in the movies. Right. Uh, and I get on this cattle farm. And I've not worked on a farm before, but right. fuck it, how hard can it be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty hard. Fairly fucking hard. Yeah, man. So uh, I think it was day three. <clears throat> Dude comes up to me. He's got a horse. And he's like, okay, this is how you get on it. Now follow me. I've never ridden a horse in my life. Awesome. So, um, yeah, so that goes well. Nice. Uh, actually wasn't too bad. And kind of, I did three months there in total. By the end of it, you know, horse riding was... I wouldn't say I'm, I'm not going to say I'm good at it. Right. But I was proficient enough to be able to muster cattle and do all the stuff we had to do. Nice. Um, and I would say out of all the things I've done, that's probably one of the most interesting jobs. I actually, funny enough, again, another parallel, did the exact same thing when I was 15. Yeah. I worked on a cattle ranch. Uh, for a summer. How cool is it? Yeah. The like, only difference was it was very American in that they gave me a horse and a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Makes sense. Long time ago. Here's a horse. Here's a gun. The hills are that way. We have 10,000 acres. Yeah. Try not to shoot yourself. We'll see you. <laughs> yeah. And then it was bringing cattle down out of the hills. Although yeah. I discovered that I being the city boy, they gave the horse to to bring the cattle down out of the hills. Well, all the rest of them were on quads. Yeah. Because that's how they actually <laughs> that's how do they it. actually do it. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you did the, the ranch. Yeah, yeah. So I did that for a while and it was... Uh, 
yeah, I had a great time. Coolest mm. job ever. As I say, learned to ride horses, bikes, everything, sure. and uh, work with bulls, which are big, scary animals. Mm-hmm. Absolutely ter- terrifying. Um, yeah. And <clears throat> finished up there end of that year. So end of 2012, that would have been. Celebrated Christmas and New Year uh, in the only way I knew how, obviously, was drinking goon. heavily. Goon, of course, right, goon. Fair enough. And uh, and I was like, right, time to start traveling again. I got a bit of money behind me, so stuck my thumb out of the side of the road and went north. Nice. Um, so made it further north, Queensland, got to a shitty little town called Townsville. <laughs> That's creative. Uh, I know, right? Yeah. And... Um, I had a fucking blast there. Everyone, <laughs> everyone bags on Townsville because there's nothing there and it's shit. But um, I had a really good time there. Uh, kind of got stuck in this hostel. Uh, we had a good crew of like lifers that were staying there for ages. So right. we'd just sit around, do cool shit, go to the beach. You couldn't swim at the time because there's too many jellyfish because everything tries to kill you in Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we had a real good time there. Uh, there was one morning I remember I woke up after a heavy night of drinking. I remembered two things. <laughs> I remembered getting naked, and I remembered getting, to, getting into a fight. Naked? In that order, yeah. yeah. Aye. Yeah, yeah. So that was, that was a weird night. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's w- w- with another guy? Another, yeah, another guy. So a slightly homoerotic uh, experience there. I mean, if that's the way you see it, then. <laughs> it kind of is. It kind of yeah, is. Kind of you know. homoerotic. I'm not sure who won, but, and I'm not sure what the sounds forfeit like, was. Sounds like you both won. <laughs> We're still happily married. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> well, where so where does skydiving all play into this? Because obviously you wanted to be able to jump so, while you were there. But yeah, so I then got an actual like proper full time job. Um, moved down to Brisbane and found the local drop zone to Kulawa Skydive Ramblers. Okay, which is such a fucking cool place. Mm. So I started going there because I was earning good money. I had a car. I could. I kind of had a bit of a normal life instead of just the backpacking up and down Australia. Sure. And I went there with my 30 skydives, my lack of currency, mm. got there and just started smashing out jumps. Nice. Fucking expensive, but it was good fun, man. Yeah, um, well, I mean, every, I think everybody in the sport's gotten to that point where they're like, I'm almost fucking broke, but I'm still, I'm a, yeah. I'm a skydiver now. Yeah. It's just 100%. too new and too fucking wonderful. Yeah. And I would, <clears throat> I'd earn my money in the week and I'd spend it all at the drop zone at the weekend. It was awesome. So yeah. we did plenty of jumping, plenty of drinking. The, the parties at that place are awesome. There's going to be plenty of people out there that know exactly what Ramblers is like. Aussies. Oh, dude. Aussies. Tell, uh, randomly, uh, does the English accent work as well in Australia? It it works kind of well. Not not as well in the States. Um, oh, in the States, it's not even fucking fair. It's shooting fish in a barrel. Yes, with I a know. grenade. I fucking know because <laughs> I've hung out with you a lot my entire goddamn career. Yeah. Ask me how much ass I got hanging out with a bunch of Englishmen <laughs> and an Irishman. Exactly. None. To yeah. the point where Quiet Guy was actually trying to, him and the crew were trying to teach me how to speak with an English accent, <laughs> specifically so I wouldn't fuck up their game, because having the American with them wasn't good. Yeah, that makes sense. <sighs> fuck you guys. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, we got to work with something, right? Yeah, yeah, So you're jumping for fun? Jumping for fun. So yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was my period of a, as a fun jumper, <laughs> um, which, as this goes on, my fun jumping days are right. minimal, you know? Yeah. Um, but we had a blast, you know, just doing dumb shit that you shouldn't do as a mm. new skydiver, trying to free fly when you can't, tracking the wrong way, doing all the dumb shit, landing off. and Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, we had a great time. That's why I say Darwin has very little effect on skydiving. Yeah. Because if Darwin was in full effect, most of us would be dead. Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 I, I tracked past a two-way free fly group who 
I had like 50 jumps. I had no idea what the fuck I'm doing. I just went tracking. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then these guys fall past me. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So That's yeah. when you know shit's fucked is when you're too stupid to know it's all your fault. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That was all my – I look back now on my career and think of all the times that I fucked up and thought yeah. it was someone else. And you're yeah. like, oh, I was stupid. Yeah. I was <laughs> – Yeah, you're, t- you're too stupid to know yeah. – you don't know what you don't no, know, right? No. Way too stupid. Yeah, so. oh, absolutely. Yeah, so I learned a lot there. It was real good. And then uh, my two years in Australia came to an end. I had about half an hour left on my visa <laughs> when I flew out. Um, so I got back to the UK. No money, no job. Right. Um, that must have been fun. Yeah. Well, it's – it's going to be a recurring theme. Yeah. Um, well, the no money thing, at least. Um, so I went to my local drop zone. I had like 130 jumps and started working in Manifest, which is... The hardest job in skydiving. Just, yeah. It's, a it's the hardest time. job in skydiving. It sucks. I don't care what anybody says. There's yeah. no harder job. And the unique uh, way that our drop zone worked was the Manifest and the reception position. It was one position. So you're, you're booking in all the tandems, you're sorting out the fun jumpers, you're manifesting everything, you're dealing with the fun. Like you, it, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was ridiculous. That's too much chipper. Yeah. I mean, the the one benefit to a, a manifest setup at a drop zone, drop zone, uh, is that the manifestors, when dealing with up jumpers, have the ability to just go, oh, would you fuck off? Yeah. Which you can't do if you're in a smaller drop zone and you're also the glad hander that's got to be yeah. all smiles for the new students because yeah. they're all checking in at the same window. Exactly. And then, like, because it's the UK and we're always on weather hold, all the tandems and their families get angry that we're waiting for so long. <laughs> so you got to, like, you got to damage control that. And it's just, it's a nightmare, man. I don't even like people. Yeah, like, I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I like individuals, but yeah. on the whole, like oh. in groups, they just, no. Yeah. What a bunch of dicks. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I've greeted and done some stuff and, and obviously I can get by with being, you know, nice to the general public, but yeah. in uh, flying in Chicago, uh, in the Chicago area for four years, obviously the weather gets quite shit out that way mm. as well. And, uh, um, as the pilot, as soon as people know you're the pilot and it's a cloudy day, every fucking buddy comes up to ask you, when's it going to clear? Yeah. So I finally had pinned a fucking uh, weather report $1 sign on my shirt and people would come up and ask and I'd point to the sign and the idiots that gave me a dollar, I'd take the dollar and go, it's fucking cloudy. <laughs> Walk away. Good solution, like, man. I'm like, come yeah. on, man. Perfect. Shit. Well, I, I don't know. Yeah. So and if yeah. you did, you'd be much richer than you are now. Right. So. And I can't imagine having to sit in manifest and doing that to people that have no clue what the sport is about and that skydivers spend most of their time waiting. Yeah. And like, and the, the unique thing is you got the tandem and they're kind of like, obviously they're scared. If, if they're sitting around doing nothing, they don't really mind because it's prolonging the inevitable. Sure. But the families, fuck me. They mm. get so angry. Yeah. So yeah, I did that for like just over a year. Um, and every opportunity I'd, I could get, I was going up to try and fly camera. So I knew that I wanted to work on the drop zone. I wanted to work in the sport. Right. My next avenue was flying video. Nice. So, yeah, every opportunity I got, I was flying camera. And then the next season, started doing, I started like 220 jumps, started doing camera. I mean, not the best, but fuck it. It was sellable. Yeah. And you would learn on the job, right? Yeah. So, uh. So yeah, I started doing that, 
Uh, I'd saved all my manifest money. It was the money I didn't spend at the bar, bought helmet, cameras, <laughs> and yeah. I, I, I mean, I come from such a different era, and you'll this will piss you off because I didn't have to do anything like manifest to the packing mat. My first paid tandem video, I think I had 75 jumps. <laughs> You know, my first video video, I had less than 30 skydives. My wow. buddy just loaded me his camera helmet, and I shot a four-way, which had, among other people, a guy by the name of Lou Sanborn, who was licensed D1 Oh, wow, US. okay. Yeah. So I, like, I'm like, oh, my God. And he bought my fucking, he bought the video. He actually paid for a tape for me to give him a copy of the video. Oh, so I have it in my logbook. That's the, awesome. The first ever video jump I did for people was for fucking Lou Sanborn. Hell, yeah. But that was a different, it was a different time. Yeah. This is... 26 years ago when yeah. you still got away with shit like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, a lot of rules now. I mean, there's a lot of rules I agree with, but... I, I agree with most of them. Yeah. Most of them. Yeah, if sure. I were to, you know, go back in time, most of the shit that I got away with, I should not have been able to do. And that's the that's the right phrasing, right? You got away with it. Yeah. Oh, that got you, away you with never it. did anything successfully at that point. You no. got away with it. Yeah, oh, Everyone absolutely. was lucky. Oh, so. absolutely. I can't uh, even remember how many times I would leave the drop zone just thinking, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Not even thinking I'm almost dead, but just going, how did I fuck that up? Yeah. I fucked this up. And they don't, they don't know. Yeah. Because you just, but it, I mean, we're harder on ourselves than anybody else, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So you're learning the, I mean, you say that the videos were sellable. They were probably they, pretty they were good. good. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I take pride in my work. Sure. I didn't want to give out shit. Right. And video for me, it's like the biggest advertising tool that Drop Zone has. Yeah. Oh, you don't absolutely. give out shit video. Well, it's also so much fucking fun. It's also so much fun. Oh my so, God. So, yeah. So, and that was why I put off doing my tandem rating for a long time. Smart man. Yeah. It was, I love shooting video and with shooting video came flying parachutes. Yes. And that was, that was what did it for me. Skydiving, flying parachutes. Sure. Dude. Oh yeah. Oh dude, it was a blast. Well, not yeah. to mention uh, back when I was shooting video, I was very single. Um, out of a bad relationship, um, newly single shooting video and you're the face that all these beautiful women in Las Vegas look at yeah. and talk to the entire time. And it was so much fun because <laughs> it's fucking Vegas and you're yeah. just the guy shooting the video and, and the tandem instructors, just the poor guys didn't stand a chance because yeah. you're just, you're just chatting them up all as using the guise of your yeah. camera, you know, yeah. Yeah, but now I'm an old married man. So yeah. yeah. And my girlfriend at the time probably wouldn't have liked that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my ex certainly didn't, but I was just fucking fine with that. Yeah, but no, you're right. Shooting the video is is a huge creative aspect. You mm -hmm. learn more about flying than in any other aspect yeah. of of working skydiving. I should sure, say. Yeah. I mean, AFF. Yeah, but even with AFF, you're so concentrated on the student. Yeah, you know, so you're not having. Well, no, actually, that's not true. Actually, I'd say AFF and shooting video are probably pretty similar. Probably similar, just for for different reasons and in different ways. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm, if you've ever had outside video of shot of you shooting video, yeah, uh, it's the weirdest fucking thing in the world to yeah. watch yourself fly video. Yeah, because you don't think you're doing that. Right? Oh, my God. The first time I watched myself shoot video, it was hilarious because my buddy shot it, and we landed. He played his video first, and I'm like, oh, my God, what the fuck am I doing? It was horrible body positions yeah. and just terrible, t ugly, ugly flying. And then I put my video on, and it was... Perfectly centered. Exactly. Perfectly in frame. Doesn't exactly matter how you achieve the goal, hey? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, okay. But that that was actually a really big mental leap. You know, I really, it snapped in the fact that 
I'm actually pretty happy with how ugly I was flying yeah. because it means I'm not thinking about it. I'm just doing it. Exactly. Like, flying autonomously. And yeah. My brain told me to put my fucking head somewhere under my left heel yeah. and spin that way because it was going to get the shot, yeah. which is really kind of cool. I think that kind of means you, you're doing decent in oh, your Oh, for flying, sure. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. When you don't have to think about it. So when you got your tandem rating, what was the decision behind that? Like why? Um, so I'd moved to a different drop zone at that point. And... Um, I was actually at a really good drop zone for getting ratings. The uh, the chief instructor, head rigger, safety guy, all round drop zone father figure. Mm. He, if he wanted to invest his time into you, then you could you could do well out of him. He would nice. he would help you get ratings. So I knew tandems were inevitable. <laughs> I knew if I wanted to work in the sport, right? I had to I had to throw drugs. Were you scared? Nah, like. Mm. Of course, that's, yeah. That's terrifying. But <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I actually I liked it way more than I thought I would. Mm. So for me, that kind of like it put the nerves. It, it kind of it made them disappear. Um, that being said, <laughs> my second ever real life tandem, my second ever paying customer, we went into a cheeky little side spin. Ooh. So uh, yeah, that was a nice start to my tandem career. That'll get your attention, man. Fuck. That was scary. Um, it's, uh, tandems are, I've always said it before, You want if normal skydiving isn't giving you the buzz that you want, go get your fucking tandem ready. Because <laughs> you have no idea yeah. how instantly you can go from calm to fucking holy shit. Dude, it's wild. These, yeah, it, these people are trying to kill you. Like, I got, the other day, I took this tiny little woman, five foot two, whatever she was. <laughs> She out skydived me. Yes, they're the bad ones. <laughs> few, few thousand skydives, and she's way better than me with zero. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, that's oh, a reality check, dude. They're the they're the terrifying yeah. ones. It's it's sixty pounds of gear on your back and 150 pounds of stupid on your chest, <laughs> right? That are gonna just do amazing things to terrify you. Yeah, I remember going through my uh, my tandem rating course, not wanting to get it, and I was forced into it because I was basically told get your tandem rating or fuck off, and I was making really good money at the drop zone in Vegas, so I got my tandem rating terrified, didn't want to do it. And the very first student that they assigned to me was a Japanese guy that didn't speak any English. So I'm like, I fucking can't, I can't even tell this guy how not to kill me. Yeah. And uh, when we landed through an interpreter, I managed to get uh, him to understand that he was my first ever customer. And he went from happy to not happy really (laughs) quickly. I'm like, when I said I was scared, I wasn't fucking kidding. Yeah, right. They're they're definitely scary. That first... First couple of hundred, maybe. Yeah. Like, they're just, I mean, even the first thousand, you're still learning. Yeah. Well, you're still learning through all of them, yeah, but it sure. becomes um, learning little tweaks to make yeah. the jumps, you know, a little bit more enjoyable for the student, a little bit better for yeah. the cameraman instead of, oh my God, I thought I, thought I was going to die. Yeah. Which is nice. Can be fun. When you get over that, well, yeah. see that I say, I talk all kinds of shit about the beginning of my tandem career, but if you were to ask me now, if I had to go back to work as a skydiver, what my favorite way would be, bar none, tandem instructor. I, I, I do agree. Like there's, we can bag on it all day long. And uh, I was a lifer. You got to strap stinky people to the front of you and all this, but it's fucking cool. Yeah, man. And like, if you kind of remove yourself from it. You're jumping up a plane with a random member of the public. We we get to skydive with absolutely anyone. Yeah. Like, there's not many people who can't jump now because of tandems. No, no, no. And a few that shouldn't, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, definitely we get to – well, and, and I've told the story before and I'll keep it brief. I took a guy uh, that came out for his 40th birthday that got a gift. 
uh, to make the skydive. And he was ex- he was just this complete tool. And you know the type that are too macho yeah. and really blusterous in front of people, but then they melt the fuck down. Yeah. Um, and he was just a total douchebag on the ground before – terrified in the plane i managed to get him out of the plane and talk him to you know keep him calm we make the skydive he has an amazing time in free fall has an amazing time in the canopy ride and we land in front of his wife and the buddies that he was being all macho in front of just 30 minutes before and i get him unclipped thinking he's going to go do his macho bullshit and he turns around jumps on me with both legs around my waist drops me to the ground and kisses me on the mouth And it was so fucking funny because in the middle of being a little fucking weird, it also flipped a switch in me and instantly made me love tandems because I realized I did that. For fucking even maybe five minutes, that guy forgot who he was pretending to be and he was just himself. And you know, this is a tandem instructor. You get to see people the most vulnerable they ever are. Fucking so cool. My favorite part of tandems is the conversation on the canopy. Yes. You can't beat it. No. Man, you, yeah, people open up. Yes. It's really cool. Dude. And uh, I'd say similar kind of experience to you that was that, that real that real big moment for tandems was we had a group of blind people come in mm. to the drop zone I'd work at. I'd go to a different place on Fridays and um a group of blind people come in. I'm just like, these people, they can't skydive on their own. Right. But we get to take them skydiving. We get to give them this experience. It was the coolest thing. You realize how much of your brief and everything is visual. Yeah. And where I was jumping was on the coast. It was really beautiful. So you're still pointing out the, <laughs> the views. <laughs> you're feeling like a dick every time you do. And right over there. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry about that. But it was so fucking cool. Had to be. And uh, yeah, just chance those guys in the county. One of them tried to kill me a little bit on exit, but hey-ho, it's he couldn't see what the fuck he was doing. <laughs> exactly. Fair play, man. Scary shit. You know, well, it, it's the other really cool thing and, and what ended up being my favorite part of tandems was the psychology behind uh, getting them out the door. Terrified people. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and you have to learn to become a five-minute psychologist with every student because yeah. you've got to go, I need to be this way to keep this person comfortable. Mm. I need to be that way to keep this person comfortable. Yeah. I can be a little bit more inappropriate with this student. Yeah. They want the over-the-top jokes like the, you know, yeah. the uh, we could almost die or <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm slightly suicidal. My dog just died, that <laughs> bullshit. Uh, or the ones that you're like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. And, you know, it's really fucking cool to have yeah. to go, I have to learn to read this person like that. Yeah, you got to be a man of many hats. Right? Yeah, it's really cool. Like, so fucking fun. I had a dude the other week and he, I, I called him out, I start getting him up and he just says to me, he's like, I'm probably not going to jump. <laughs> <laughs> and my initial thought is, why the fuck have you spent all this money then? Right. But then it's just like, okay, well, like, why? And you're going to love it. You'll yeah. only regret it if you don't. Got him out of the plane. He was shaking hardcore in the plane. Yeah. Got him out of the plane, and he was so thankful. Best yeah. thing he'd ever done. Oh, yeah. And it awesome to be able to to get someone out of the plane who's terrified. Absolutely. Well, and, and of course, the, there's the the steadfast rule you can't push somebody out of the plane. Mm. They've got to be voluntarily going. And I'm sure you're the same. I've heard a lot of no, no, no's as they walk towards the door. Yeah. As long as the body's still moving that direction, we're yeah. going for a skydive. I only had one almost, re- it should have been a refusal. And I've done about 8,000 tandems and I never had a refusal. And I'm super fucking proud of that because it means that I at least did that part of my job well. Uh, but this one guy out of the sky van, he was probably a good four inches taller than me and probably 20 pounds heavier than me. So if he wanted to stop, 
There was no fucking way I was going to get him out of this plane. So we're walking forward out of the sky van, which arguably is a really scary exit for a tan. For them, yeah, into the void. Absolutely. And we don't even have camera, so it's not like he's got a friendly face smiling in front of him. It's just me and him. So he's just got this fucking detached voice behind him saying, go. We get, I don't know, three feet shy of the tailgate, and he just stops. And I'm trying to push a little bit, and I'm like, fuck, I can't move this guy. Yeah. I don't, I, I just, I don't, I don't, and he can't even get the words out of his mouth. And so I'm like, all right, really slow and easy. I want you to just turn around. We're just going to turn around 180 degrees and it's all going to be okay. And so he turns around 180 degrees and I ran backwards <laughs> out of the plane. And of course, the canopy opens up and he's, oh my God, that was fucking amazing. Greatest yeah. thing ever, blah, 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 blah. What happened? And I'm like, well, when you turned around, you kind of backed up a little bit and you pushed us out the back. <laughs> of course, he had no fucking clue. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so I, I technically I did kind of have a refusal, yeah. but we accidentally fell out of Exactly. The yeah. And then he loved it. So yeah, he a- absolutely had a blast. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm sure you're of the same opinion. If you're able-bodied, you should make a fucking thing. Oh, fuck yeah. Go make a skydive. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like fucking eating a bag of mushrooms. You might not think it's the best idea, and you might not even like it, yeah. but on the other side, you're going to go... Oh, I learned some shit yeah. about myself. <laughs> You'll be glad you did it. No yes. one regrets doing a skydive. No. People regret not doing it. No, no, no. Even so. the even the one uh, injury I had on a tandem student whose leg I broke because she sat on it and I didn't have the flare toggles and drilled her into the ground when I had like Whoops. 50 tandems. Yeah, oops. Oh, chain reaction to mistakes. Even she was happy she made the jump. Yeah. She would rather had, you know, two working legs when we finished, but live and learn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, tandems. Tandems are fucking awesome, man. So yeah, yeah. okay, so, they they can get a bit old occasionally, but you got to have a reality check every now. I and mean, Hall and me. You know, it's it's kind of funny. Well, I'll, I'll ask your opinion. We were talking about this pre-podcast. I, I've gotten a fair amount of shit for an article I wrote a long time ago about a rather rotund woman that I took on a skydive. Um, she was huge. She was a really really big lady. And one thing I will say tandems did was definitely give me a bit of a sour edge towards really heavy set people mm-hmm. because I'm strapping them to me and I'm responsible for their lives and they're barely responsible enough to pick up their own legs, but you're still taking them on a skydive. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but that definitely turns that attitude a little bit and and you know how it is. You'll see a group of people come in and three or four of them are pretty thick people and you're like, Jesus. Oh, God. Here we go. You know, and I seem to be the 180-pound magnet, so I never got anything less than 180 pounds. Yeah, me too, man. I took four fatties today. <sighs> Out six. <laughs> Scattering is one of the few sports where even though it has been certainly been affected by the politically correct movement, um, it's still one of the only ones where universally, if you're a working skydiver, you're like, fuck me, that son of a bitch is big. <laughs> right? And yeah. you can still, it's acceptable. And yeah. only in that their weight directly affects us. Oh, 100%. Right? And it's and it's not just weight, it's distribution of said weight. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the nicest way I can put it. Yeah. Um, Do you have a limit? Like a personal limit? Personal limit, 250 pounds. That's still big. Yeah. That's big. That's the most I've ever taken. It's... And, you know, it depends on the person as well. Sure. Because a, a 250 pound, and, you know, I'll probably get similar shit to you for this, but I call them five by fives. The five foot tall women who are five foot wide. And they're a, a pretty, you get them in quite a lot of places. And sure. They are difficult to fit the harness to. 
They can't lift their legs up. Yep. They sink after opening. Yep. Like they're difficult. Someone who weighed the same but was a six foot three rugby player, way easier. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's the distribution of the weight, it's the size of the person, but Well and, for- and historically some of the, the most fucked up uh tandems and, and one fatality in the States that had a woman fall out of the harness was a very pear shaped woman. She was quite rotund. Yeah, and uh, the harness was uh, I'll, I'll I'll definitely give the responsibility to the tandem instructor. The harness was not properly placed not properly at fit, all. No. But in retrospect, she probably shouldn't have been jumping. Um, And that's about the time that a lot of drop zones started using BMI as well, Mm -hmm. Uh, which although BMI can be really fucked as well, because per BMI, um, I, for most of my career, should not have been able to skydive. Like I wouldn't have been able to book a tandem because the BMI, I was out because I was muscular and Mm -hmm. only five foot nine. Yeah. So, but then, you know, it's, you've got to have some kind of sort of line in the sand, right? You've got to have some yes. unit of measure. Well, and that luckily, that's where the manufacturers come in, right? Because mm. the manufacturers say this much weight suspended under our gear is the maximum you can have. Yeah, exactly. And, and that no was going to be my next point. 250-pound yeah. limit, but like yeah. I'm not going over manufacturers' no, combined weight no. because Who, then you've got no, no one would ever do that, right? <laughs> never. Never. I've never seen it, not once. Intentionally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, like I said before the podcast, we were talking about the, the big girl that I took uh, when I was jumping in a foreign country, and I kind of got suckered into it. And uh, um, when I wrote the article for Blue Skies Magazine, uh, I wrote the article in the first person because I was the one that took the jump. Uh, and uh, it was entitled The Stupid or The Dumbest Jump I Ever Made or, or something along those lines. Uh, and I sent it to my editor, and it was one of the only corrections in 10 years she ever made. And she sent me back a message going, are you sure you want this to be you doing this jump? Because if the manufacturers read this, they could yank your rating yeah. just for the story. And I went, that's a good point. I think it's going to be some guy named Bob. <laughs> so the tandem instructor became Bob for the story up until the the latest book came out in which I'm never going to be a fucking tandem instructor again. So it was fucking me. I did yeah. <laughs> Yeah, fuck it. Because she was huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it was stupid. It was really, really dumb. And part that where we talk about luck, part of it was fucking luck. Yeah. You know, I got, got away with it. I got lucky with the pack job. Yeah. I got lucky with the opening. I got lucky that she was able to do just enough of what I needed that she didn't fucking get us killed. Yeah. But pff, I shouldn't have done the job. Yeah. I wouldn't do it again. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, hey? Right? Well, the ironic thing is I, the biggest asshole some people know, did – I took her on the skydive because I didn't want to be an asshole. Yeah. How ironic is that? I have no problem (laughs) being a prick. (laughs) No problem whatsoever. But I took this massive woman who – I shouldn't have taken because I didn't want to be a dick about it, and I should have been a dick about it. See, there's a heart in there somewhere. Nah, it's pretty fucking frozen, <laughs> frozen over. over now. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. Oh well. So, tandem instructor, camera guy. Do you do mm-hmm. AFF? Uh, yeah, I do now. So, all my previous ratings I got in the UK. Mm. I also became a rigger. Um, That's right. You told me about that. There was a yeah. story behind uh, you deciding to become a rigger too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. This guy who I mentioned before, the father figure of the drop zone, um, his name's Noel, absolute legend, love the guy. I, I owe so much to him. Um, he he decided for me to become a rigger. <laughs> Good man. Uh, um, so I started off, he, he taught me to pack reserves. Um, and by this point, I was already a base jumper, so I knew the pack job. Mm. Very simple. It was just sticking it in a bag and 
using a spring-loaded pilot chute. So sure. that side of things was pretty simple. Sure. Uh, we then progressed on to the full riggers ticket, which he trained me for three months every day after work, after jumping from September through to just after New Year, our exam course in the January. Mm. Um, and we put in some fucking hours. <laughs> It's a hardcore job. It was hard. And I'd never used a sewing machine before. Oh, wow. So kind of like on the farm, I'd never ridden a horse. I then became a rigger. I'd never used a sewing machine. Um, so, hey, man, I can be taught things, apparently. Stretching your horizons there. <laughs> right? So, um, so yeah, we had to learn to use a sewing machine. And then, uh, yeah, then we just went through and learned to do all the shit we had to learn to do. Mm. And, yeah, we put in some hours, went on the course, and... You know, without toot my own horn, I did pretty well. So I was I was really proud because, yeah, we'd spent the time on that, man. Sure. That was, that was a big one. Uh, you can train any monkey to throw drogues, but I think becoming a rigger just takes... You've got to have oh, interest yeah. in it to start with. Yeah. Because there's so much you've got to learn that if it doesn't really interest you, you're not going to... Well, and you've got to have a bit of a meticulous nature as well because yeah. it is so very detailed. So detailed. Yeah. And I've got a theory that all riggers are autistic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I would disagree with you. <laughs> how many riggers do you know and how many of them so are at least detailed. slightly on the spectrum? So detail-oriented. Yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of funny, too. That's one thing that I've noticed um, over the years, um, perceptions and stuff, and especially about something like autism. Um, it became um, the subject of TV shows and documentaries and all this kind of stuff. And uh, like Alex Honnold is on the spectrum and, and all of these amazing people. And it went from being, uh, Oh, this guy has a problem to mm. lucky motherfucker. Yeah. Look at his attention to detail. Right? Look at what he can achieve. Oh my God. Man, you know, I went through my course with a dude who is like cripplingly autistic. He can't work or anything. The dude, he's fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, Unintentionally, but yeah, <laughs> generally. Yeah. But he was building canopies before he was a rigger. How crazy is that? With a sewing machine on his fridge at home. That's amazing. Like, and jumping them, and, and he's now built a base rig and jumped that. And it's oh. like, the dude is just next level. His his ability to to learn and then to do and to his attention to detail is just sure. incredible. Sure. I well, can never be as good as he is. Well, you know, and you know what's kind of funny is is the only thing that you can say, uh, all the people that I've met that are on the spectrum or, or all the stories and people like Alex Honnold and stuff like that that are just these amazing people, the only negative I've ever heard is that they have uh, slightly reduced social skills. Yeah. What the fuck is my excuse? <laughs> I was literally just about to say, I'm a social retard anyway. So. I'm fucking horrible <laughs> and I don't have any of the talents that they have. I'm just a fucking <laughs> asshole it's not good with people, you know? It's, it's all right, Dean. We'll find something you're good at. <laughs> you know, well, solitude, <laughs> apparently. It, but it's, it's I, I've really thought about that. I'm like, oh my God, they have, you know, all these social problems, but yeah. they're fucking just amazing at all this other stuff. And I have all the same social problems and I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I have no excuse. None, none whatsoever. Who knows? <laughs> I can just talk shit. That, that's my only skill is I can talk shit. Oh, it's a good skill. It's not too bad. Yeah. Well, so rigging, obviously, you, it wasn't really your idea. He decided for you, but rigging gives you a huge future. Dude, it opened up doors. Um, so I remember I got my tandem rating. I thought, sweet, I'm a tandem instructor. I can now go work anywhere. Mm. I was like, I can start traveling again. I can do it for work. It's going to be sick. Right. Start applying for places. You need 500 tandems. You need 1,000 tandems. You yeah. need this experience, that. And I'm just like, shit. Yeah. Um, and 
another unique thing about the BPA is uh, <laughs> the way the way they kind of teach you to do tandems. Um, whereas most places understand that to get the most amount of lift, speed is needed. Or well, speed is helpful. Yeah. Um, if you do any turn on a tandem canopy below whoa, 300 feet, you are, whoa, that's really? naughty. So, um, so when I eventually left the UK and uh, I started, uh, I moved to Thailand and mm. was doing tandem video and rigging out there, I had to just relearn how to fly a tandem canopy. Mm, I like, bet. I'd gone from 365 to 300s. It's um, a switch there. So that was that was a big change. I'd gone from a big open easy landing area to the smallest, most turbulent piece of shit I've ever landed on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and I was just like, and I, I had like eight hundred tandems at the time, so I wasn't wasn't fresh. Sure, um, wasn't the most experienced, but I I kind of knew what I was doing. Sure, and I get there and I'm just like, holy shit, this is hard. Um, so yeah, I had to learn there. It's a wake up to, call. Oh, big time. Yeah. I was I was super lucky. I started in a place where I learned how to land a tandem canopy backwards. Yeah. Like I was backing up all the time and it was turbulent desert fucking high desert air. Yeah. So thin air, turbulence, dust devils everywhere. Like the worst fucking place to go yeah. just begin being a tandem instructor. It makes you good, right? Everywhere else I went yeah. from there. I mean, landing on beaches in, in Fiji and all these other places yeah. where the instructors I was jumping with were like, fuck, these are sketchy conditions. Yeah. I'm like, the wind is coming from the water and going to the shore. I'm set. <laughs> it's smooth. It's easy. Yeah, this yeah. is beautiful. I'm, I know what direction it's coming from. There's no dust devils and I have a target. Pfft, bring yeah. it on. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's it's a good way to learn. You, you got to be good. Sure. You've got to be good on the canopy. And where we were working in Thailand, if you did not land on, you were fucked. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> There's something to be said for a little pressure. Yeah. You, I mean, it helped that we only ever put three, maybe four tandems in the plane. So the likelihood of being deep was pretty slim. Right. But, and we usually had pretty good weather. But I do remember one day, we had some shitty cloud cover, and I was going up on a tandem. This was, I was in Thailand, I got there just before COVID, so I got mm. there in the 2019, did like four months of really good work, earned a shit ton of cash in the world's cheapest country, and then right. COVID hit, and we did fuck all. Um, so anyway, we start working up again, and we got this horrible cloud cover. We get out at some point near the drop zone. <laughs> And I remember before I got on the plane, I was like, I went to pick up one of the 300s. And we had a, a couple of Sigma 340s. Mm. So I went to pick up a Nicholas 300. I was like, actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the 340 for when I land off. Right. Because I knew with that cloud cover, we were fucked. Right. Open up. Start flying in what I think is the direction of the drop zone. Come out the bottom of this cloud. So at, terrifying. Uh, um, oh, wait, we can't jump in cloud, can we? There's, there's no cloud in this story. So I come out the bottom of the cloud at whatever height it was. Right. And I can see the drop zone in the distance. And I'm just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> so I look around and it's it's rice fields or it's roads with power lines or it's Ooh. buildings. There's there's nothing. Right. So I find this small area and trees on three sides, a fence on the other. And uh, yeah, pretty tight. Bring it in. And I was so glad I had the Sigma. The flare power on those things are just incredible. Yeah, when you've got to put it in and sink it in, they're fucking good canopies. Yeah. So 
We did good. And typical Thailand, we got a lift on the back of someone's scooter back to the drop zone. And, of course. And all was good. Along with the family and the dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and, of course. And the guy loved it. Of course. So, so yeah, that was good. So, as you say, like, a lot of, you got to be good there. You got to learn. Yeah. I mean, uh, I had no the, the first time I ever worked outside the U.S., uh, first time I ever proper tra- uh, traveled outside the U.S. was to Fiji. I took mm. the job there uh, through a buddy that I, an Aussie buddy that I was working with in California. And I got the gig. And I get to Fiji, they get me my work permit and all that stuff. And, and uh, um, they I, a week later, I'm on my first load. But it's solid cloud cover. So I, I figure they must know something I don't know. And I'm on with an instructor that's been in Fiji for like four months. So he must know something I don't know. So, all right, cool. I get on the plane. I'm a super uh, you know, current and, and uh, high-time tandem instructor at the time. Probably had fucking four or 5,000 tandems at the time. Get in the plane. Start climbing up uh, and hit clouds at 2,000 feet. All right. 4,000 feet still in clouds. 6,000 feet still in clouds. 10,000 feet still in clouds. 14,000 feet were on jump run, and the fucking other instructor opens the door and leaves. What the fuck? He's got the boyfriend. I've got the girlfriend. I haven't seen I, I haven't seen Fiji. I've never even seen a picture <laughs> of the fucking landing area. I don't know where we're going. I literally have no idea. But the boyfriend just left, and I'm an idiot. So uh, I guess we're going skydiving. So I roll forward and roll out the door, and all I can think is I'm in free fall the entire time in a fucking cloud. Is I I hope that pilot doesn't have a fucking sense of humor because <laughs> there's 300 and something islands in Fiji, and I yeah. hope I'm over at least one of them. Um, and of course, then you open up, I'm still in clouds. What are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to fly one direction because I have no idea what direction I'm facing. And I'm far enough behind the other tandem that I hope that burying a toggle is not going to put me through his top skin. So I bury a toggle and just spiral the entire time thinking this is the stupidest fucking way to die. I can possibly think of, cause I'm going to land in the water and probably get eaten, eaten by a shark. And I finally come out of the cloud at about 1800 feet right over a hotel, a beach, and a big fucking X in the sand. Fuck yes. Exactly where you <laughs> wanted to be, right? But I, yeah, I landed from that one and the, the owner is like, okay, we've gotten the next group. And I'm like, fuck off. No way we've got another group. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Hell no. <laughs> fuck no. no. Fuck that. No. I mean, I've jumped in cloud in the UK because yeah. we wouldn't jump otherwise, but yeah. fuck that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, dude, that shit's fucking freaky. Yeah. Well, and it's uh, different countries, different drop zones, different shit you do. And let's face it, skydiving is definitely better now than it used to be, but skydiving is still a sport where you kind of do what you got to do. Yeah. Right? I mean, you got to be within reason, and that's why you definitely, as an instructor especially, have to set your own personal limits for what you will and won't allow to happen. Um up to and including having to lose the job that you've got if it's crossing that line. Um, but Scott Eving has always been a, yeah, okay, we're over the limit, but only only mm. that much, and it's from that direction? Okay. Yeah, that's, and right. th- those parameters are sometimes a bit flexible depending on how well the month has gone and what yeah, your paycheck looks you are. like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wind limits go up. Oh, fucking, for sure, man. Yeah. End of the month and you've made fuck all, you're going to jump in 30 knots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one drop zone that I worked at where at the time everyone was salary. You'd see a cloud five miles away. Nah, we're calling the day, man. There's clouds coming. Because it's a bunch of fucking skydivers, you know. And The and last thing we want to do is skydive half yeah, the time. Yeah, <laughs> certainly not doing tandems. Yeah. So, oh, wait a second. I don't want to do a bunch of tandems and I'm salaried. So, yeah. and as the pilot at the time, I'm like, dude, <laughs> see <easy>. ya. <laughs> I'm okay. out of here. 
So what does the future hold? Uh, I, down the road again, you've got all the ratings, AFF, yeah. Tandem, fucking Riggers ticket, everything. Um, so one thing I do want to do is convert my Riggers ticket from the UK one to FAA just to make shit easier. Sure. Um, Future-wise, I mentioned before I love flying parachutes. Mm. Competition would be something I could see myself nice. giving a go. I don't expect to be ultra competitive, but... Oh, I wouldn't say that too fast. Well, someone's got to come last, right? <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, I'd just like to give it a go, man. And uh, I hear they're a ton of fun. I can imagine. So, yeah, that and one big thing I want to give a go is XRW. Cool. Flying parachutes with wingsuits. Very cool. It's just one of the coolest shit I've seen in skydiving in a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess a lot of stuff surrounding flying parachutes. Nice, nice. That's my jam. Well, you also, you mentioned base jumping. Yes. Super active, kind of active, a little bit active. Yeah, on and off over the last few years, um, you know, base jumping in the UK, is, it can be challenging with the weather, sure. a lot of low objects, a lot sure. of driving for sometimes fuck all. Sure. So that can be challenging. Um, my last base jump in Thailand just before I left saw me in power lines. <laughs> so that was... <laughs> uh, man, I'll tell you what, I've got, a, um, I've got a real mixed emotions when it comes to base jumping. Yeah. I'm not a base jumper. Anybody that listens to the podcast knows I've I've never base jumped. Um, I it's amazing the shit that these guys are doing now, especially with the wingsuit base jumping. Oh, dude, is just beyond incredible. But it has taken so many friends, and this, this has and, been a bad year. It's been a bad year. This yeah. has been real bad. And and we just said goodbye to to Matt Munting, who yeah. was just one of them. I hate to say it. Because it seems like every time we lose somebody, you're saying they were just the most incredible person, but they fucking are. Right. And that's why I figured I'm going to live forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm still here. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's, just yeah. be a dick and you'll, yeah. be, you'll survive. Dude, it's worked for um, me so far. But yeah, no, I had a similar, we, we were in Italy in June mm. and the day I was flying out, a buddy went in that morning and I was just like, Dude. fuck's sake. And then another buddy the other day. Yes. It's just, it's just getting silly. And like. Flying your wingsuit into the ground isn't that cool? No, it's... no, 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 no. And and I've I've lost too many friends and and know too many acquaintances that have done exactly that. And and I'm not them, and I can't speak for them. But I personally can't understand the the juice being worth the squeeze. That's for me. You yeah. know. Um, that being said, um, I would never deny someone's desire to do something if that's 100 oh, percent. if that's yeah. them fucking go for it obviously i've got lines i won't cross my lines don't apply to anybody yeah. else uh it doesn't mean that i like it when they cross the lines i wouldn't and they pay that price it yeah. fucking sucks man it's ridiculous but i guess for some people those jumps are worth dying for but sure no, i just yeah i mean I, i've never been there and, and i'm fine with never being there yeah. The bummer is uh, when they leave so many people behind, and I've had uh, non-Skydiver friends and family tell me, well, just get out of the sport. And my response is, I've been in the sport for almost 27 years now. I will continue to lose friends until the day that I die because once a fucking Skydiver, always a Skydiver. And I've been in it a quarter of fucking century. Yeah, That's a long long time. I know a lot of Skydivers. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And like... 
you move all around different countries, you work in different places. It's like, one degree of separation. Well, yeah. speaking of, before, uh, the last time we hung out, uh, I didn't realize you knew a number of people that I know. <laughs> right. Um, Mark Norman. Yeah, yeah. What, I worked what? with Norman in 2015, <sighs> I think it was. Norman, if you're listening to this, you're still one of my favorite fucking people, dude. Man, <laughs> I love I, that guy. I quote you all the time. Don't be shy. Your mother wasn't fucking shit rings in my... I wake up hearing that. So it does. So it does. <laughs> fucking... Mark Norman, and you also work with the brother of one of my least favorite people oh, in skydiving. Yeah, yeah. I hear he's the nice brother. He's a nice brother. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. not nice. to a lot of people because he's very brash and abrasive, and uh, he's he, good at offending people. He's fucking so. English, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've I've been I've been I grew up with Englishmen. Because, again, t- almost 27 years in the sport, and you guys are everywhere in skydiving. I yeah. mean, Brits are- Except su- England. Except England, <laughs> yeah. You guys are super predominant in skydiving and high profile in skydiving. I mean, when you guys go for it and you end up in the skydiving world, it's because you left England to pursue being a skydiver. So, you know, hand in glove, obviously, you're going to you're gonna end up working with a bunch of Brits. So I've- very much love the dry sense of humor and, and I'm a huge Guy Ritchie fan and all oh, of that. Oh, yeah. But you guys are fucking assholes, <laughs> which is probably why I like you guys so much. One of my favorite things in the world is being blatantly insulted by an Englishman in the most polite way possible. Oh, yeah, for sure. So wonderful. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, you're such a dick, but that was really good. <laughs> I love it. And it really doesn't translate well. No. So many Americans just do not get it. Which for me makes it even more fun. Yes, because you get a reaction, and then, uh, and or, then you can just carry it on. Well, you either get a reaction or you get the opposite reaction to what you should have, which is probably a punch in the face. <laughs> but they think, yeah, I mean, you guys are so fucking sarcastic in yeah. such a dry way and yeah. backhanded insults. Where you oh, just, all the time. Yeah. It's my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Sarcasm is it's my love language. Yeah, it's fucking great. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, uh, uh, it really is just one degree of separation. If you oh, don't know somebody, yeah. you know 10 people that know that person, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, I started uh, the job I'm in now in November, and I've ran into three or four people who I knew before, and then another three or four have come here as well. And right. And it's just... It's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? Dude, when I went, the first time I went to work for a big drop zone abroad, I assumed I knew no one and mm. knew like half the fucking staff, yeah. um, which is fantastic too, because I've been doing the podcast, what, a little over three years now. And it's made doing the podcast so oh, easy yeah. because if I don't know that person, I know 10 people that do. So it's really easy for me to go, hey, I'm friends with so-and-so yeah. and so-and-so and I do this podcast. Would you be on? It's great. That's so how simple. I suckered the first hundred guests into it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah. Like, you don't fucking know me. I'm just some <laughs> asshole that wants to talk to you for an hour, but it's worked in my favor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's been... It's, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, fuck So yeah. we'll wrap it up by um, asking some of the questions that I ask a lot of the guests, which is if you're talking to a newer skydiver that's listening to the podcast and they're looking for an angle to get into skydiving and they really want to get into it, what are your recommendations on what they should be thinking of uh, and what their mentality should be in moving forward trying to work in the sport? Oh, Dan, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, actually, one thing I say to a lot of people, if – I, I love my job. I'm not going to stop being a full-time skydiver. Mm. But if I meet someone who's a fun jumper and they're just like, man, I want to work in the sport. And I'm like, what do you do for a job? Whatever you do, does it pay you well? Do you enjoy it? Can you fun jump? Right. Be a fun jumper. Yeah. Working the sport is the coolest fucking thing in the world. 
But I think being a fun jumper is just a little bit cooler. It is. I've, aside from the 100 jumps I did in Australia, I'd never been a fun jumper. Yeah, me neither. I've worked from almost day one. Yeah. And I don't regret it. It's just the coolest thing. For sure. But if someone has a good job and they can afford to fun jump and do tunnel and do this and buy gear and everything, do that. Yeah. Because you'll be so much happier. Fun I agree. jumping and, and, and just agree. doing cool shit. I agree. I, I didn't become a fun jumper until, um, fuck, 20 years into the sport. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I made the obligatory couple hundred fun jumps and I did sky surfing for a while, which you can kind of call fun jumps, but they were more yeah. training and competition. Yeah. Um, but then the rest, tandem, video, yeah. AFF. Yeah. I did my first bit of tunnel uh, end of last year. <laughs> I've been in the sport 10 years and I've yeah. never been in a tunnel. Yeah, even I'm a tunnel rat. Yeah, right? That's how I started. <laughs> yeah. I'd never had, I mean, I worked in the UK, I never had the money to go to the tunnel. Yeah, shit's expensive. Fucking so expensive. Well, and it, for me, it's expensive and the uh, the reward is that I still get to be a shitty tunnel flyer <laughs> after I spend a whole lot of money yeah. still watching people out flying me yeah. at the age of like 15. Oh, these tunnel kids are insane. <sighs> Yeah. The Wittenbergs. If yeah. you've never seen the Wittenberg kids that fly, they've been flying since, I mean, yeah, seven, eight, nine years old. And they're, uh, they're you know, on the podium every time. They're world champions every fucking time. And they do shit that's just, it just defies imagination. Yeah. And uh, so I'm going to go spend half of my income to literally be able to do nothing that yeah. they don't even think about. <laughs> nah. I know, right? No, no, it's just it's too much. Crazy. It kicks my ass. Yeah. <laughs> But then the second part of your question, yeah. if someone did want to work in the sport, if they've got their shit job they hate and they just want to skydive, just fucking do it. Yeah. Mate, I I lived in a hut made of asbestos for two years. <laughs> because I earned That's fuck how all you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I earned fuck all money and it, it was just what I did. I lived in a hut made of asbestos. I upgraded to a static caravan. After four years working in the sport, I finally moved into a house. Yeah. yeah. And like... One thing I hear from a lot of, say, non-jumpers is, oh, I'm so lucky to do this. It's like, I've worked pretty fucking hard to get here. Yeah. I, I've sacrificed a lot to be able to, sure. yeah, I, well, to do I, this kind of shit. And I understand where they're coming from because I, I've always felt lucky being able to live the life that I've yeah. lived. But just like you, I worked my fucking ass yeah, off man. for it. Like. Yeah. Uh, it's funny because I'll call skydivers lazy this, lazy that, fucking cunts <laughs> well, we're, doing we were talking about that the other day. But, Absolutely. Yeah. But at the end of the day, there is nothing lazy about being a working skydiver. Hell no. It is fucking hard. Yeah. You figure we take uh, 8, 10, 15 times a day um, students who can barely fucking walk straight after one jump because yeah. they're so completely fried that'll go home and pass out on the couch for half of the goddamn day. And we're doing that. How many times yeah, right? a day, a month, a year? Yeah. You know, I mean, we work our asses off. Okay, I right lived off you. Snickers bars and Red Bull for years. Yeah, exactly. Because you do what you got to do, yeah. you know, to get through it. You know, now as I get older, I'm turning into a bit of a lazy cunt. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, man. My, my RDS pocket always had fruit in it. Yeah. I never had time to have some proper food, but you reach down, you pull out a banana or something, something. And you, you've got something to get you through the next few tandems. Absolutely. So that right. you're not passing out on the back of your student. <laughs> exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I feel you. Yeah. It is one of those things, right? And I mean, I think a lot of people that end up working in the sport do so partially because they love jumping and partially because the lifestyle is so attractive. Oh, yeah, bro. I do not want to have a real job. No, I've, no. I've been working in the sport for eight, nine years. No. I've not worked a single day for no. those last eight, nine no, years. No, no. 
Well, it's funny because people for obviously the last 10 plus years will ask, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pilot. And they, if they're non-skydivers, they have one image yeah. of who they think I am. And you if and a sky, the- absolutely <laughs> epaulets and all that yeah. shit. But if a skydiver finds out that, uh, that I'm a pilot, there's a completely different image yeah. that they get painted. Oh, he was probably bombed out of his mind till four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and just barely managed to get the planes. You know, so there's this huge crossover, and it's really funny. Yeah. But I wouldn't trade that shit for the world. Oh, hell no, the real world, fuck that. Oh, dude, people call me crazy for doing this job. You sit at a desk for eight hours a day. That's yeah, pretty yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Mind. Well, when's the last time anybody in the real world? Uh, saw something so amazing in their cubicle that every five minutes they had to take their camera out and take a picture. Right. I have literally 10,000 pictures on my phone from my office window. Yeah. It's so cool. Who the fuck else gets to do it's that? It's just, it's so special. Yeah. yeah. Like I did a little bit of jumping in Houston last year and the clouds in that place are <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah. We it's... were doing some uh, two-way canopy stuff and just flying around some of the biggest clouds I've ever seen. Mountain ranges floating past you. Wow. Yeah. Just amazing oh yeah and oh, you get a bit of sun behind you you get that brock inspector like wow man oh it's, it's stunning so special the shit that we get to see and yeah. of course the pictures never do it justice no. but uh, and you try and impart that to non-jumpers and tell them about what it's like and yeah. you find yourself at a loss for words oh 100 percent. there's just yeah. no way to really tell somebody no you don't understand yeah. you just don't get it i used to do a little bit of work on the Jersey and the Channel Islands between the UK and France. And the island's so small, you can see the whole thing from like 3,000 feet. And it's just it's so beautiful. Yeah. And we're taking off at the international airport. So you're sitting in a little 206 next to like a, a 737 or an yep. A340 or something. You're just like, you feel so fucking small. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, you get out, out to sea, land on the beach, beautiful. And those views are just... Oh, it's stunning. It was the same thing with Fiji. I mean, you're in free fall and you can literally see a hundred islands and the reefs and all the waves breaking. And same thing, you're loading a 182 in between a 747 (laughs) and Mel Gibson's caravan that goes (laughs) out to his private island. It's just the situations that you find yourself in are just the most amazing. Yeah. And if, what, 20 years ago, someone said to me, where do you see yourself in 20 years? This would not be the answer. Nah. 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 No, no, none of my life. (laughs) Not even a little bit. None of it. Like, uh, I still haven't figured out what I want to be when I grow up because I have no intentions of growing up. (laughs) Hell no. No, I'm going to- Don't grow up, toys just get better. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to die just as fucking immature as I was when I got out of high school, (laughs) which is just fine with me. Somehow I managed to fake my way through it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Say it with enough confidence, anyone will believe it. Yeah, fake it till you make it, man. Exactly. Cool. Well, that's a good way to wrap it up, man. Hell yeah, man. Fucking great chat. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I enjoy this shit, man. Hell yeah. All right. Cheers. Nice one, dude. Thank you. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right. Head to Pussfoot.com, the Extreme Sports Collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By SummitParachuteSystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to TonySuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now 
now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to youtube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around.